Hypnosis can be very effective in reducing grief and depression. The first type of grief I want to discuss is the loss of a loved one. This is a very hard thing for people to deal with. Often, a person will start drinking heavily or using hard drugs to numb the pain of the loss. They can also isolate themselves and start other self-destructive behaviors such as cutting or suicidal attempts. I want to offer a client who suffers from grief a gentle reality check. And that reality check is this. Everybody is going to lose someone they love. It's going to happen to all of us. The only person who it's not going to happen to is someone who refuses to love anyone and he dies an even worse fate. He, he dies unloved, not even knowing what that is. So in order to, in order to reduce the magnitude of the loss, I remind them that it's something that everyone goes through and we all have to go through it and then get over it. And that's the key part, is that there's a time to grieve and there's an appropriate time to stop grieving and start living again, okay? And I'm reminded of an article in the news today. Uh, this orca whale in the ocean uh, has been followed by these scientists and they noticed that she was carrying her dead baby, her baby calf, in her mouth, they followed it. She's been carrying that calf in her mouth for 17 days now, and she hasn't stopped. Uh, so that tells us that the loss of a loved one is not even a human problem. It's a mammal problem that we all have to go through it, even a whale, okay? And so um, we have to let go. Um, this whale was carried her child in her mouth for 17 days probably hasn't eaten much in 17 days okay so she could die okay uh, her grief needs to have an end in order for her to survive and in the end I remind my clients that their loved one who has passed away they would want them to grieve and then be done with it and go on to being happy because no one who loves someone wants to see them in a perpetual miserable state of grief okay so um, sometimes the client will feel like their grief is exceptionally cruel or extraordinarily difficult to deal with you know as if their pain was somehow worse than everyone else's, okay? But, you know, I love my mother just as much as he loves his mother. Uh, I'm sure you love your mother tremendously as well. It is unfair for us to say that our pain is unique among pain because we are all uh, capable of love and loss. And what the difference is, is that some of us love life more than we love grief. 
and we choose life and we choose to have an end of our grief okay and so uh, if the death of the loved one was unexpected and sudden for example it was a car accident bam and they're dead or a heart attack and no no uh, no reason to think they were gonna die they just fell dead okay the client may feel like she didn't get a chance to express her true feelings you know there's a lot that has to be said that you didn't get to be said you know sometimes family members will go years without telling each other they love them at other times the last things they say to each other are hot words angry words cruel words okay and then the idea that that person you know went went to the other world uh hating them or resenting them or or you know somehow despising them because the end was not a good ending um that can produce tremendous feelings of guilt and uh resentment so um what we want to do there okay what we want to do there is um give them a chance for closure and so i I will hypnotize the client and then I will ask them to imagine that they are in the room sitting in front of their loved one one last time and then I give them the opportunity to say what has to be said if that deceased person was abusive to them well it's time for them to say you know what you hurt me when you did this to me and still I forgive, you know, that it's it we're going to ask the client to offer forgiveness. But if the client is the victim, well, I mean if if the client is the perpetrator of something cruel or something uh negligent or something that is bothering them, some mistreatment, well then they have to say that they're sorry and that they love them and they have to say what says needs to be said. And so I like to end that type of a forgiveness situation with them both hugging and you know we're going to release all negative emotions at that time and from that point on the healing begins okay i want them to really cry in this session to purge themselves of all that pain to release all that pain to let it out rather than crying for the next uh every day for the next month or two months or or let's cry one good cry and say everything that needs to be said from the heart i mean in a sense that's what a funeral is for right we go to a funeral and we're grief stricken and we cry and we wail and 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 we we say we we ha- we have a chance to say what needs to be said okay well sometimes the grief extends beyond <laughs> i mean commonly the grief extends far beyond the funeral and if the grief becomes a habit something a person does every day then like any other repetitive behavior it's at risk of becoming a permanent part of their life and so you i'm sure you can think of someone who is always depressed 
always sad, always gloomy, um, always um, woe is me and everything sucks, right? So um, it became a habit. It became a way of life. Okay, so um, the next thing I'm going to do for this person suffering grief is I'm going to give them direct suggestions so that whenever they think of their loved one who passed away, they will instead think of positive aspects of that person only. Positive, positive memories, times when they both laughed and smiled and hugged each other and shared in uh, fun adventures and uh, events, okay? And uh, memories of, um, you know, uh, shared conversations and shared experiences and positive qualities of that person who passed away. Positive, the way they smiled, the way they laughed, the way they loved cats, the way they, uh, uh, the, 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 the things they loved, you know, how they were fond of collecting model cars or what, but it has to be positive. And those are what the subconscious mind is going to go to whenever they think of that person. And if they, if they ever are confronted with something negative, they're going to close their eyes and they're going to think of something positive about that person instead. And you know what? Maybe a client's going to say, well, given the situation and our relationship, I can't really think of much positive that uh, I can't think of many positive aspects of my mother although I love her there's I don't think she has very many positive qualities and then I would say then why do you love them so much because you love them for their positive qualities you don't love them for their horrible meanness and nastiness you love them because there is something lovable in there and so that's where they need to recognize the reasons why they love that person and they will refer to those memories and those memories only because the other memories are a disservice because when you love someone you choose to see the best in them you don't see the negative tragedy if I get hit by a truck tomorrow I don't want people to think about the truck and about how I got squashed like a bug. I want people to think of the good things I did, the good times I had with them, the great conversations we had, the acts of kindness and, and, and friendship. Okay, I want them to think of those things. I don't want them to think of the truck. And so this is where we're going to move their focus, shift their focus to positive aspects of the relationship only only because negativity is negativity is what we're trying to dig them they have dug a pit of grief a pit of despair and 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 tears and and just misery so we want to we want to fill this pit up with positive thoughts of that loved one okay the last thing i would do was would would be to remind the client that the loved one who passed away, they want them to move on. I mean, if a mother's, uh, you know, if a mother dies and a child is left, I mean, the, the child can't cry forever because the mom would not want that. The, the mom would really want the child 
to move on, to heal and be healthy and move on. And so that's important to remind the client that you would honor your loved one, the, the loved one who passed away. You would honor them most by living a healthy and happy and positive life and doing something good with your life, not crying all the time, not sitting in a funk, not being depressed. Depression is not, um, you can make a monument and a memorial to the death of your loved one uh, by living a good life. And so my mother passed away 10 years ago and it was difficult for me. It was painful. And she's still with me in my mind and in my heart today. When I make a good decision, when I do something good, I'm reminded that she's the one who taught me to, to be a good person. And she's the one who told me that kindness pays off. She's the one who told me about karma. She shared her special knowledge with me. And so even though she's not with me physically, she helps guide my decisions. And this is true for anyone's loved one. They would want what is best for them. Everyone's loved one would want what's best for them. And that is to move past the grief. The grief is like any other injury. An injury to the mind, to the heart, it, you know, it's like an injury to the leg or to the, you know, uh, to the kidney. It requires time, and, and, but healing has to take place. It can't just, um, this, the, the healing, there's a prescribed time for it. And then, <laughs> because planet Earth does not wait, it doesn't wait for you to catch your breath. You still have to do the business of living you still have to get to work. You still have to function. If you're a parent, you still have obligations to your family. Um, if you are a business person, the company doesn't stop because you are busy with grief. You, you still have obligations and responsibilities. And let's be a healthy, responsible person. Let's grieve for the appropriate time, and then let's move on. Okay. <clears throat> now, what if the client is experiencing chronic depression? Okay, if that's the situation, I prescribe a heaping dose of positivity. Depression is an extremely negative emotion. To counterbalance this destructive emotion, I prescribe kindness, charity, volunteering, activism, and social love. Maybe my depression client could make people smile by painting kindness rocks and leaving them in public areas for people to find. If you don't know what a kindness rock is, it's basically a smooth rock from a river that you paint with regular water paint and you paint cheerful messages on it. You could paint the, the word smile, or you could paint a heart or a flower or something bright to say to a passerby, you are loved, um, you are special, uh, smile and laugh today. Um, today is a sunshiny day. I mean, it sounds silly, right? 
but it does spread kindness. I smile every time I see one, and I'm grateful for whoever uh, anonymously puts them in my town and in towns all over the country and the world, indeed. So um, this is something that is really easy for a client to do, and it makes a positive impact it, it reduces the amount of grief they feel so this is light coming into the darkness basically okay so um, also another thing I want to do is I want to motivate my client um, to volunteer at animal shelters in order to help dogs and cats who uh, have no one to love them okay um, but I I like to, to 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 I like to match the pain that the client is feeling with a motivation to do something charitable. So if they lost their let's say a client lost his uh, mother uh, with to cancer, okay? So I would want the client to consider volunteering to help someone else who is dealing with cancer, to help uh, children with cancer, or in some way help someone who's going through s something similar to what they went through. They, in this way, they can use the pain as a motivation to help someone else. And they're comfortable and familiar with this problem. And you know what? It seems appropriate that if life uh, gives you a specific wound uh, that you should help someone else avoid that same wound, right? It just makes sense, okay? So, um, if, um, if a woman is sad because her child died from leukemia, I might ask her to volunteer to help other mothers deal with the grief of losing a child, okay? There are support groups, and she could be someone to... If there is no support group near her, she could start the support group, okay? That's uh, very easy to do nowadays with the meetup apps and similar apps like that. Okay, for example, if a woman is raped and that, and that caused the depression, right? She can volunteer with support groups that will help other women cope with being victims of rape. And so you see how... <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say it's the same pattern of the AA, the Alcoholics Anonymous, where who helps the drunk get clean? Another sober uh, alcoholic helps him. And so this is the pattern that is most effective, and it helps, it brings light into a very dark person, uh, a person suffering from chronic depression, okay? So... The most effective way of dealing with depression, in my opinion, is to get someone to do positive, generous, selfless actions that help others. A suicidal person is a very negative person. They feel that the world is unbearably cruel and that their quest for happiness is an impossibility. You know, I would ask clients like this to step out of the selfish bubble and help people just like themselves. Victims of cruelty uh, will somehow magically, by helping someone else in a similar situation, it will magically make their pain smaller 
it will magically improve the way they feel. And, and I call this active love, okay? And this active love is the opposite of just saying that you love someone and then not helping them at all. Um, not doing anything for, j just saying that you love someone and then not doing anything to help them is not love. So this is active love where I, you know, I'm asking the client to prove that they care by, act, by volunteering their time to help solve the problem. Okay, so uh, if they practice this active love, uh, okay, if they uh, were to take care of a dog or a cat or volunteer to help foster children or read stories to children in the cancer ward of a hospital or just help set up um, a simple meeting for people who are suffering from depression, uh, a support group at the local library. These are all things that will reduce the pain they feel and make them feel a whole lot better. It's a fact. The tremendously positive and satisfying feeling these clients receive from stepping out of their selfishness and actively helping in a way that really makes a difference. This is the antidote for chronic depression and grief. Okay, so what about the client who is suffering from a broken heart? The client who got dumped on or got cheated on or the client who is recently divorced? The solution is simple and obvious. The client with the broken heart needs to begin dating again. The rejected lover often feels that they are unlovable. They feel ugly and unattractive. In a very real sense, they have hypnotized themselves into believing that they are undesirable. It is my job as hypnotist to make them feel comfortable about dating again. I usually ask them to go on plentyoffish.com because it has a large number of people on there and it's free. And with so many people on there, there's a greater likelihood of making a connection with someone, a meaningful connection. If they make the mistake of going on a fringe website or a small website and there's not enough people in their area to flirt with them and ask them on a date, they're going to feel as if the entire world rejected them because nobody wanted them. You don't want that. So I love Plenty of Fish as a dating website because there's so many people on there that the odds of that of making a, a meaningful connection if you're serious about dating it is very high on this website okay for the heartbroken client I suggest they start with a headline on their dating profile that says friends first okay this is going to filter out all the horny guys 
and players and it, it and it's going to filter out a lot of the weirdos okay now the great thing about online dating is this everybody on there has to be polite or they will be banned from the site so if a jerk says something mean to a lady she simply reports him and he is banished from the site so the woman has the advantage on these sites in fact if 1,000 men look at a woman's profile and 999 men think she is ugly, well, they just won't respond to her. They won't reply and say, I think you are ugly. <laughs> they're going to say, they're going to say nothing at all and they'll move on. So if, if out of 1,000 men, 999 men think she's ugly, she won't ever hear from those men. But if just one guy thinks she's attractive and worth getting to know, the woman didn't notice the other rejections because they are invisible on the site. Okay, She will get one message from the guy who thinks she is attractive and he will say something polite yet flirty and that simple compliment will do more to raise her self-esteem than 100 hypnosis sessions. She is going to call me and she's going to say, I can't believe it, this guy, and he's so and he's so wonderful. Now, there's another side to that, is that you want to guide her to make sure that she doesn't, I mean, she's lonely, right? So make sure that she doesn't get hurt, okay? Tell her, to, you know, if it's possible to go slow and make sure that this guy is what he says he is and, and that he is, you know, it, that he's a good guy. Okay. And so, um, you know, it's all, it's sometimes a client who is just swept away by this uh, feeling that she, um, that she, she's meeting Mr. Right again, um, that she may go too fast and so I will try to make sure that she doesn't get hurt again okay so I I want to end this now and if you are personally having a problem with grief depression or a broken heart I want you to call me so we can have a telephone hypnosis session I promise you my fee is affordable and if you have limited funds, I may be able to waive the fee entirely. Call me or text me, Alex the Hypnotist, 989-954-7210. Namaste.